Praise the Lord. This is Dr. Ruth again. I just want to take this moment to thank all of you who have blessed us with a financial donation to help us produce these programs. And I want to thank all of you who have become Christ-centered partners with us. And for those of you who are considering becoming a partner, I want to thank you in advance uh, for just considering our ministry to be a part of this. So I just want to say, if you have not yet uh, blessed us with a financial donation, I just ask you to consider doing so by faith and just to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit to bless us so we can produce more of these shows. It is our heart's desire, which is also God's desire to make this teaching available to many, many more people. But it costs money to do so. So we are trusting God that you will obey and bless us back with whatever amount the Lord puts in your heart. So again, we thank you in advance for your love gift donation into God's work so we can reach many, many more people. And may God bless you and keep you. And I pray in the name of Jesus that whatever you give back into this ministry, God will multiply that and bless you back abundantly, exceedingly until it overflows. In Jesus' name, amen. We welcome you to the teaching today. I am Chris Oram. Here is Dr. Ruth with more of the teaching about the conquest of the promised land. Welcome, everybody. This is Dr. Ruth. I am very glad you are with me today as we continue our study out of the book of Joshua. Praise the Lord. I trust your hearts are open to receive and learn a lot from the Lord. I know I'm ready. So let's get into it. In today's session, I will cover Joshua chapters 11, 12, and 13. So let us get into Joshua chapter 11 right away. And as you recall, in Joshua chapter 10, Joshua had defeated the five uh, Amorite king or kings and subdued a lot of their land. So we pick it up here in chapter 11. We will see more of Joshua subduing, conquering more kings and taking their lands. So I begin by reading the first few verses out of Joshua chapter 11, verse 1. When Jabin, a king of Hazor, heard of this, this referring to the fact that Joshua had conquered the uh, five Amorite kings and subdued them and taking their land. So when Jabin, this king, apparently Bible scholars tell us that this king of Jabin was a weak king. So we will learn how he would form an allegiance with other kings to come against Joshua. So going back now to verse 1, when Jabin, king of Hazor, heard of this, he sent word to Joab, king of Medan, to the kings of Shimron and Akshap, verse 2, and to the northern kings who were in the mountains. We can read all of that in verse 3 there. These were uh, other kings in the Canaanites in the east and west, to the Amorites, Hittites, 
parasite, etc., etc. Bottom line, this king formed an allegiance with these other kings to come against Joshua because he was afraid. This is just the MO of the enemy. <laughs> when the enemy sees that we as God's children are succeeding, he will come and attack us again even stronger. But God's children are always, always victorious. So let's see what God would do here. Verse 4. They came out with all their troops and a large number of horses and chariots, a huge army as numerous as the sand on the seashore. Just imagine. As numerous as the sand on the seashore. So they were just countless. Verse 5, all these kings joined forces and made camp together at the waters of Merom to fight against Israel. Just like I was saying, the enemy is coming with a stronger force against Joshua. Verse 6, the Lord said to Joshua, I love this, do not be afraid of them because by this time tomorrow I will hand all of them slain over to Israel. You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. So we see the Lord giving Joshua specific instructions how he will destroy the enemy. This is amazing. The Lord was encouraging Joshua, telling him in advance that relax, don't be afraid. By this time tomorrow, I will deliver your enemy into your hands. And Joshua believed the Lord. You see, God would reassure us through his Holy Spirit. It's up to us to believe God's word and trust him and step out in faith. So we will find out how Joshua did that. Verse 7. So Joshua and his whole army came against them suddenly at the waters of Merom and attacked them. Verse 8. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Israel. They defeated them and pursued them all the way to greater Sodom. Essentially, Joshua obeyed the Lord and the Israelites, who in essence were a minority, came against this huge gang of kings and completely defeated them because Joshua obeyed the Lord and stepped out in faith. We are seeing Joshua, a man of faith in operation, obeying God. Okay, we come down to Verse 9, Joshua did to them as the Lord had directed, just like what I was saying. He hamstrung their horses and burnt their chariots. Friend, when we obey God and trust him, he fights our battles for us. On our own fleshy efforts, we can never defeat the enemy. But when we stand by the word of God and just trust God, he fights our battles for us. So we are seeing this in operation here in the ministry of Joshua. Verse 10. At that time, Joshua turned back and captured Hazor and put his king to the sword. Again, we see Joshua just overcoming all these kings, subduing the land. Verse 11. Everyone in it they put to the sword. They totally destroyed them, not sparing anyone that breath. And he burnt Hazor itself. Again, we see complete destruction of the enemy, which is God's way to just destroy the enemy in our lives. Completely, not haphazardly. 
Verse 12, Joshua took all these royal cities and their kings and put them to the sword. He totally destroyed them as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded. I just love the way the Bible is telling us he totally destroyed them. He totally destroyed them. Just teaching us that God's will in our lives to overcome the enemy is complete 100% destruction. Okay? Verse 13. Yet Israel did not uh, burn any of the cities built on their mount except Hazor, which Joshua burnt. Verse 14, the Israelites carried off for themselves all the plunder and livestock of these cities. We talked about the significance of taking the plunder before. We come to verse 15, as the Lord commanded his servant Moses, so Moses commanded Joshua. And Joshua did it. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. I love it. We are seeing how Joshua was an obedient servant of the Lord, which explains his success in his ministry. When we, as ministers, servants of God, obey God, success, 100% success, is our portion. Okay? So, verse 16 and 17 just went on to describe how Joshua took the whole hill country, he took the land. You can read that on your own. It is self-explanatory. Let's come to verse 18. I want to highlight this significant. Joshua waged war against all these kings for a long time, except for the uh, Hivites living in Gibeon. Not one city made a treaty of peace with the Israelites who took them all in battle. Verse 20, for it was the Lord himself who hardened their hearts to wage war against Israel so that he might destroy them totally, exterminating them without mercy as the Lord had commanded Moses. A couple of principles here. Let's go back to verse 18. Joshua waged war against all these kings for a long time. Bible scholars Tell us that a long time is about seven years that Joshua got into the promised land, fighting against all these kings, overcoming, subduing them. The principle here is that we talked about this in the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy. I'm going to touch up on this briefly. There are times in our lives that it takes a while to overcome certain hardships, to overcome setting deception from the enemy to overcome certain problems. And that is not because that's how God has fashioned it. A lot of that is because we as God's children, we grow in our faith step by step, day by day. And that slow deliverance from one problem to the next, from one lie to the next, from one hardship to the next, strengthen us, embolden us. It enables us to see God's hand in our lives. God delivers us step by step as we trust him. And Joshua here, it took seven years to overcome these kings. Throughout, he was growing in his relationship with the Lord. 
throughout, he was getting closer to God. Throughout, God was manifesting himself more to Joshua. So when we are going through a hard time, there are times when it may take a while. Our job is to stay steadfast, obedient as Joshua, trusting God for each deliverance, because it is a step-by-step -step journey as we walk by faith and trust God to deliver us from addictions, to deliver us from laziness, to deliver us from bad-mouthing, to deliver us from gossiping. It is a process, so we have to be patient. Patience is required for growth, and it is for our own good. So I wanted to highlight that. And then the second principle here is in verse 20, which reads, For it was the Lord himself who hardened their hearts to wage war against Israel, so he could completely destroy them. We talked about this in the book of Exodus, that Pharaoh's heart was already hardened, so the Lord just took advantage of that. We see a similar thing here. Those kings in the promised land were demon-possessed, they worshipped the devil, they practiced child sacrifice, killing their young babies in the fire to please their gods. God, who knows all things, already saw their hearts. They weren't going to change. They weren't going to change. They were already servants and messengers of the devil. So the Lord just took advantage of that, hardened their hearts, and then just allow Joshua to destroy them. So I really wanted to highlight that so you understand that God does not harden our hearts. We have a choice how we want our heart to go. We decide if our hearts have to be obedient to the Lord and more sensitive to him or hardened away from the Lord and more <laughs> leaning towards the things of evil. We make that decision and God has given us a free will. Whichever way we decide, God is there to always help us to turn around and come towards him because he loves us. But when we get to the point where we refuse to obey God, he will let us have it our way. And whenever we have it our way, it's destruction. Okay? So I wanted to explain that. So we pick it up here in verse 21. Interesting, verse 2. At that time, Joshua went and destroyed the Anakites from the hill country. Remember, we talked about this. The Anakites were the giants. We talked about this in the book of Numbers. These were the giants uh, that those ten spies saw and they were intimidated. So here we are learning how Joshua destroyed them. We come to verse 22. No Anakites were left in Israel territory. So Joshua defeated them. Verse 23. So Joshua took the entire land just as the Lord had directed Moses. And he gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal divisions. Then the land had rest from war. So we see success, success, success. Okay. So we continue Right away to chapter 12 out of the book of Joshua. So what is the gist of this chapter? In this chapter, it's like a summary 
of all of Joshua's uh, victories that we have been studying in the preceding chapters. So here we will we will be introduced to the list of kings that have been defeated thus far in the promised land. So let's get into the first few verses here. A lot of these verses are self-explanatory, so I will skip a lot of these verses and trust that you will go back in your private time and study them. So I, I will highlight a few verses. Let's begin with the first uh, couple of verses. Joshua 12, verse 1. These are the kings of the land whom the Israelites had defeated and whose territory they took over east of the Jordan from the Enon Gorge to Mount Hermon, including all the eastern side of the Ereba. Verse 2, Shinhong, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon. Now, verse 2, all the way to verse 5 there, is going to just review or it's like a recap of the kings that Moses had subdued during his ministry. We talked about all of this in the book of Deuteronomy, so you can go and read this yourself during your private study time. So we come to verse 6. It's just what I just explained. Verse 6 reads, Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the Israelites conquered them. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave their land to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh to be their possession. We talked about this already. Now, in verse 7 here, we are going to be introduced to the kings and the lands that Joshua in his ministry possess or subdued okay so verse 7 reads here is a list of the kings of the land that joshua and the israelites conquered on the west side of the jordan uh, from belgad in the valley of lebanon to mount halak which rises towards Seir. joshua gave their lands as an inheritance to the tribes of Israel, according to their tribal divisions. So verse 8 begins to list the land and the various kings. I will let you read all of that. It's very self-explanatory. We've gone over all of these kings in the preceding chapters anyway. So this is like a review. You can read all of that. And really, that really brings us to the end of this chapter. So there wasn't much in this chapter with regards to details except a summary of the uh, Joshua's victory thus far. So you can go read all those kings. Just highlighting how successful he was in his ministry and really keep in mind that these were powerful, powerful kings back then who had chariots, huge armies, fortified, you know what? The Israelites had God. When you have God, you have everything. When you have God as a child of God and the Holy Spirit indwelling you and the Lord Jesus who is risen, you have everything. It doesn't matter how big the mountain is in front of you. Nothing is impossible with God. Which is why even though these Old Testament books may appear ancient to some of you, these are true stories. Remember, the Bible is written to really help us 
to enable us to grow, to really enable us to learn the goodness of God and his faithfulness. So every book in the Bible is significant. Every chapter is significant. Even though this event happened five, 6,000 years ago. I mean, the principle is the same. Look at all these kings with their chariots, but the Israelites just had God. In today, the 21st century, we have huge enemies. Enemies of financial bondage. Enemies of addictions. Enemies of just fear and anxiety. And we have enemies at our job. It's the same principle. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. In the same way, he was delivering all of these kings and handing them to Joshua, he is in our lives today, walking in our lives to enable us to deliver or to enable us rather to overcome the enemies and the fears and the worries and the doubts in our lives, if we can trust him. So the principles are applicable today. Okay, we move right along here. We are in Joshua Chapter 13, what is the gist of this chapter? The overall gist is that the Lord would explain to Joshua and actually tell him in advance to proceed to divide certain lands that had not even been conquered, encouraging Joshua that you go ahead and divide these territories and these lands because you will subdue it. You will overcome. So that is really the gist of this uh, chapter 13. So let us get straight into it. The first few verses. Joshua 13 verse 1. When Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, You are now very old and there are still very large areas of land to be Taking over. Let me pause. Bible scholars say by this point, Joshua was somewhere between 85 to 100 years old. Boy, there is no age when we serve God. This is a man who had been obeying the Lord, overcoming all these great kings and subduing the lands in the last, last 30 to 40 years, and now he is in his mid-80s to 90 to almost 100 years old. The Lord is telling him that you still have work to do. Don't you just love it? There is no age of retirement when we work for God because it is God working through us. All right? Okay. So we continue here in verse 2. It just goes on to list the land or lands that still needed to be conquered. And, you know, this is a good place and a time for me to say this. This verse 2 all the way through verse 5, which I want you to go read on your own because it is self-explanatory, really represents the unfulfilled promises in our lives that the Lord has placed in our hearts. Really, is the Lord calling you to do something and you have the excuse that you're too old God said no it's never too late is he calling you to start a home bible study 
Is he calling you to go to the mission field? Whatever the Lord is calling you, he is saying that, go, I go before you to prepare a way. Don't let your age discourage you. I walk through you. I will walk through you. Just trust me. Powerful principle. This was so encouraging to me that at the age of 85, the Lord is still telling Joshua that you have work to do. Boy, thank you, Lord. I hope you receive that because we should not as ministers or as Christians ever get to a place where we say we are, we are too old to serve the Lord. No. Even if you are bedridden, wheelchair bound at any age you can still serve the lord by praying for people proclaiming his goodness in your life so there is always work to be done until the lord calls us home to be with him hallelujah okay verse six as for all the inhabitants of the mountain regions from lebanon to misrepo mayan boy some of these names I hope I'm pronouncing them correctly. That is all the Sidonites. I myself would drive them out before the Israelites. Be sure to allocate this land to Israel for an inheritance as I have instructed you. Verse 7. And divide it as an inheritance among the nine tribes and half of the tribe of Manasseh. Just exactly what I was saying. Today as New Testament believers... The Bible teaches us out of 2 Corinthians 1.20 that all of the promises of God through Christ Jesus, check it out. All of the promises are a resounding yes and amen. The Lord has already blessed us with countless promises. He has already told us that, listen, I've given them to you. All we have to do is obey him, <laughs> trust him. And see those promises manifest in our lives. It's a similar concept here that the Lord was telling Joshua. I have already blessed you. This is yours. Just go ahead and divide them among the tribes of Israel. Thank you, Lord. Man, God is so good. Okay. So we come to verse 8. Verse 8, really all the way to the end of this chapter gives us an idea about the division of the land east of the Jordan. So a lot of this is self-explanatory, and I have already described a lot of this, so I'm going to skip some of these verses and just highlight a few of them. Let's take a closer look at verse 8 here. The other half of Manasseh, the Reubenites and the Gadidites, had received the inheritance that Moses had given them east of the Jordan. We talked about this already. We come to uh, verse 9, begins to list. It just describes the land that the tribes east of the Jordan had already possessed. You can read all of that. Part, a lot of this is during the ministry of Moses. We can see that highlighted here in verse 10. It talks about the towns of uh Shinghong, king of Amorites, we know that uh, Moses subdued the land and gave it to the other tribes east of the Jordan. In verse 12, we are also told how Og in Basham was also defeated. We know that by Moses. But let's come all the way to verse 14. 
Again, uh, verses 8 through 13 there, we're just talking about the land that Moses had, had subdued and given to those uh, tribes, the half-tribe of Manasseh, Reubenites, and Gadianites. So you go back and reread that. We've talked about that over and over. So we come to verse uh, 14. We know this, but I'm going to just highlight this here again. But to the tribe of Levi, he gave no inheritance. This is referring to uh, Moses now. Since the food offerings presented to the Lord, the God of Israel, are their inheritance as he promised them. We talked about this. The Levi were to own no land. They were to work for God as they serve or served the Israelites, and they were to depend on the food offerings that the Israelites would bring to them. Verse 15, this is what Moses had given to the tribe of Reuben, according to his clan. So verses uh, 16 there, all the way to verse 23, just went on to list the division that Moses had assigned to the tribe of Reuben, you can read that on your own. It is self-explanatory. We come to verse 24. This is what Moses had given to the tribe of God according to his clan. Again, self-explanatory. You can read all of that. Uh, that began from verse 24 and ended in verse 28 there. We come to verse 29. This is what Moses had given to the half-tribe of Manasseh, that is to half the family of the descendants of Manasseh according to his clan. Again, you can read all of that. That comes all the way to verse uh, 31 there. Self-explanatory. Again, just showing how the land was correctly divided in accordance to God's instructions. We come to verse 32. This is the inheritance Moses had given when he was in the plains of Moab across the Jordan east of Jericho. Verse 33. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord, the God of Israel, is their inheritance as he promised them. Again, this chapter was very repetitious, highlighting what Moses did. Again, just bringing to our attention that Moses carried it out effectively, correctly, and the land was divided as unto the Lord. So that brings us to the end of chapter 13. So what are the major principles we have learned from chapters 11, 12, and 13? Really two major principles, which really are running themes throughout this book of Joshua and I will repeat them over and over because it is necessary that I repeat them. Number one, God's faithfulness. We see God, we've learned how God was really winning this battle and God just needed a vessel or an instrument, Joshua. And it brings us to the very next principle, obedience. And we saw Joshua obeying the Lord with each battle. That is really it, God's faithfulness and obedience. And the application is obvious. When we obey the Lord, when we trust God to work in our lives, the outcome is success 100%. God is ever ready. He is an ever-present God in times of trouble. 
to help us overcome these battles in our lives. But we have a role to play obedience. In essence, we can sum up the entire Christian life with two words. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your strength, with everything in you and obey God. You see, because when you love God, you're going to obey God. And when you love God, your actions will reflect godly actions, which means you're obeying God. And then your life will be a success. That way you will be blessed and God will be glorified. So the bottom line, obedience, obedience leads to success, success in God's kingdom. So if your life is not going well, if things are not going well, ask yourself, am I obeying the Lord? Mm -hmm. Are my actions glorifying God? If not, it's never too late. You can repent and start obeying God. The best way to obey God is just take his instructions in the Bible. If God says forgive, you forgive. If God said give, you give financially. And you trust him with the outcome. Because as Christians, we walk by faith, not by sight. In the name of Jesus, I hope you receive that today. Father God, we thank you that you're such an awesome God. You are so faithful to us. Holy Spirit, help us, teach us how to be more obedient to you. We want the best in this life that you have for us. So we just trust that today you are doing a work in our hearts. We thank you. We love you. You go before us. And I have prayed in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody says, Amen. This is Chris Oren, and I trust you are learning a lot from the Lord today. If you are being edified and strengthened by Dr. Ruth's teachings, will you prayerfully consider supporting the ministry and further God's work with your financial donations to help us with the production of these teachings? We would really appreciate that. Dr. Ruth Tanya's Ministries is a federal approved 501c corporation, which means that all your donations are 100% tax deductible as allowed by the law. You can also give a one-time donation as you are led by the Lord to help us to produce these programs. Even better, to make more of an impact, prayerfully consider becoming a monthly partner with us through your regular prayers and monthly giving so as to further God's work. If the Lord is speaking to your heart right now to become a regular partner, please visit our website, drruthtanyi.org. That's D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G to learn more about the benefits of partnership. Plus, you can sign up right there. We thank you in advance for your prayers and financial support. While at our website, sign up to receive Dr. Ruth's monthly Bible teaching newsletters. I am Chris Horan, wishing you a fruitful and blessed day in Christ Jesus.